Father, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for the cross. And we sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Be glorified this morning in our worship. God, we love you. We love you. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, God, as we hear your word. God, do what you want to do in us. God, we submit to you this morning. We love you, and we thank you for all that you've done here. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now, please don't forget to help out with Center of Hope this week. Debbie Bach is going to be in the back. Debbie, where are you? Raise your hand, please. Debbie will be at the back after church. And uh, as of right now, she said they didn't have anybody signed up to help, so we sure need to follow through. And this is this Wednesday helping out at Center of Hope. I want to remind you that David could have blamed God. And probably most people would say, you've got reason to blame God, David. Now, David did not choose to be the king. God chose him. David did not, you know, choose that he would be replacing a crazy man, Saul. David could have very easily quit. He could have very easily cratered. He could have very easily gave in. He could have become really bitter, really angry, and he could have went to bed every night thinking, I have been mistreated. I have been unfairly dealt with here. And probably most people would go along with him. They'd say, no question about it. You know, David, you've been given a bad deal here. This isn't fair to you. But David struggled through that. En Gedi story, the En Gedi experience in 1 Samuel chapter 24 is frankly one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's a great story. There's a lot here for us to learn from. Caves and forests and being hunted down was healthy for David. Problems, conflicts, disasters, betrayals, Mistreatment is healthy for us. Those problems that David felt helped him to grow, helped him to mature, helped him to become more like God wanted him to be. And the same thing is true of us today. When you have problems, they are opportunities. When you have sufferings, they are, no, no matter how difficult they are, they are opportunities for us to grow spiritually and all of us learn at some point in our life that we either learn to allow the problems to strengthen us or the problems uh, uh, further defeat us. And, and people that have given up, people that don't have a lot of energy for life, people that aren't gung-ho about what God has for them, most likely they are paralyzed by the problems. And they haven't responded properly to problems. We learn at an early age how we're going to respond to problems. If we see a model before us that every time a problem happens, the mom and the dad blame the problem or other people, those, those children are going to learn from that. If children grow up in a house where uh, problems are fought with with anxiety and fear 
and, and more turmoil over the problem, then that's what they're going to learn. But if they grow up in a home and they see that mom and dad handle problems and, and they choose it to be joyful, they count it all joy when problems happen. If they see their mom and dad exercising and growing in faith as a result of the problems, then those children are going to be more likely to handle their problems that way. One of the primary reasons why so many people refuse God, reject God, are not open to God, is because they are angry at Him because of all their problems. And they wrongfully believe that their situation is a result of God not loving them, not caring for them, turning their, His back on them, and, and nothing is further from the truth than that. I want you to know that, that David had enough evidence through human reason to say, God does not love me. Through human reason, he could probably have, have, have got many, many people, perhaps most people, to believe that. But that wasn't the truth. God allowed David to go through all those trials all those problems so that he would have a powerful warrior. He would have a great king to lead the people. He would have a man that would be after his own heart. Even with all those problems that David has, and we've already gone through many of them, and we're going to go through more of them, we see that God allowed all these problems to happen in David's life so David could mature he could develop, he could become the warrior that God wanted him to be. Okay? Our wilderness experiences are good for us. The strongest believers you know have gone through a lot of hard times. If you sit down today and, and write down three of the strongest believers that you know, I promise you, every one of them, even if you're not aware of their life, They've gone through some very difficult times because that's God's way. That's a kingdom way. That's one of his methods. He takes our problems and he helps us grow in him in the midst of those problems. The apostle Paul said, let me tell you, I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bit. I've been hunted, I've been persecuted, I've been whipped, I've been stoned with rocks, I've been left for dead. And all of those things served to teach me to trust in the Lord. And so Paul said, all of life's junk, problems, hardships, they were all a blessing to help him to learn to trust in the Lord. And so we see here in, in 1 Samuel 24 some, some spiritual growth that takes place in David's life and their result of his problems. Verse 1, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. En Gedi is a canyon that is right off of the Dead Sea. En Gedi has springs. And Gedi has greenery, believe it or not. It is in the middle of what looks like the moon. It is dirt and rocks. That's all that surrounds the Dead Sea. 
But back in this particular cave or this particular canyon, there's a spring back there and there's green grass. And Gedi means wild goats. And you can go to Israel today and you may just see some wild goats. Back in Thanksgiving when our group went, we saw some goats in the parking lot of En Gedi. Walking, one was on top of a car walking around. It means wild goats. They're still there today. And if you're a wild goat, you're going to be an En Gedi if you're born in that part of the, of the territory because it's the only place for some green grass. So En Gedi is a place where David and his men could stay a while because they've got water to drink and, and they've got some, um, there's some plants around. There's some wildlife around. There's some goats that they could barbecue. Verse 2. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. That's in Gedi. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Sure enough, his daily constitution. That's what the king's doing here. It's not number one, number two, to full disclosure. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now, no men went in there with Saul. Everybody knew why Saul went in there, right? His men didn't go to follow him there. Guys, I've got to go in this cave for a moment. I'll be back. Everybody knew what he was doing, right? And he just so happens to go in the cave and raise up his robe and squat on down in the very cave where David and his men were hiding further back in the cave. Now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him. Of course they would say that. Of course they would view this occasion exactly like that. My stars, I can just see these men looking there saying, Is that Saul? Is that Saul using the bathroom right over there? Is that him? Is that him concentrating so hard he can't see us? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't know how in the world you can talk about this without talking about it. It's part of the story. It's something we all experience on a regular basis, hopefully. And David's men whispered to him, Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with you, to do with as you wish. I mean, here he is, David. It's over. Our problems are over. Just walk right on over there, take your Goliath sword, and while he's using the bathroom, slit his throat. That's what he deserves. That's the kind of man he is. He deserves judgment. And by the way, how much better can it be? It's obvious that God has handed him over to you. He's right there using the bathroom. Get him. Saul crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. 
Can you imagine everything going through his mind when he goes over there? Get him, get him good. No, don't get him. It's not right. He has mistreated you. Get him, kill him. No, that's not right. It's not right for you to kill him right here. But it's obvious that God has given him to me. No, that's not what's going on. Saul's got to use the bathroom. He walked in the wrong cave. This is not the movement of God. This is another kind of movement taking place. I can't imagine the turmoil going on in David's life at this point. There had to be turmoil. But when he gets over to David, all he does is cut the hem of his robe. That's what he does. And it says in verse 5, But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. Isn't that interesting? His conscience wasn't bothering You know, he just say, I almost killed him. He, his conscience bothered him with a lesser degree you know, in, in action, in sin action, than uh, in just cutting his robe. He had conscience got to him. Now, the lesson that we learn here in verses 1 through 5 is this. When you grow spiritually, when you mature, you're able to stand against the crowd. All his men are in that cave saying, David... God has given Saul to you. David, it is okay for you to kill him. David, we are all in agreement that this is what should take place. But Saul is able, because of spiritual growth, to stand up against what everybody thinks. Now, one key for life is if everyone thinks something is okay, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. If everybody is doing it, you probably ought not to do it. That's the way the world is. And if we grow spiritually, as we go spiritually, one thing is going to happen is we are different than everyone else. We don't fit in. We think differently. We behave differently. We have a different set of ideals. We have a different set of, of, of principles about us. We're just not like everyone else. And that's what you see taking place here. Now, reason. Reason with the men. Here we go. Saul is here in your hands. Let's get rid of this crazy man. But David's conscience bothers him. His conscience is that knower that's in here. We just know. And the Holy Spirit communicates with that knower, and that conscience just bears witness in us and says to us what is right and wrong. And David's knower is getting louder and louder and louder because he's growing spiritually. When you grow spiritually, that knower inside of you gets louder and louder. And you hear more clearly what's right and what's wrong. And so somewhere in the process of creeping over here to Saul, his conscience just yells at him and says, 
not the right thing to do. And he doesn't kill him. And he's willing to stand against the crowd. The second thing is found in verses 6 through 8 here. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. David had a respect for God and a respect for God's ways. He respected authority. Be careful when you attack God's anointed. That's what David understood. David understood that to be correct, that to be right. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. David came out. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the King. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. He's acknowledging the authority of God. He's respecting God and the choice that God has made to be over him, the person in the place of authority over him. When we mature spiritually, our respect for authority grows and develops. He's just not going to mess with God's anointed because it's God's anointed. He's going to respect authority. You know you're growing spiritually. You know you're maturing when you respect authority and you respect those that God has placed in places of authority over you. It's a spiritual growth thing. Then we see that David handles conflict properly in verse 9. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say, I'm trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. Oh my, what a statement he makes to him, a truthful statement. He says to Saul, why are you believing everybody else that I'm trying to kill you? Why are you believing those lies? Why are you perpetuating those lies when obviously you can see that it's not true? I had you, Saul. And you can just see, he says, look here. Look at the hem of your robe. I've got it right here. I was close to you. It's just not accurate. It's not true. This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king for he's the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you, 
and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. Now, there's one thing that's true in life. You're going to have conflict with people. You're going to have conflict with people. One of the things that keeps people from growing spiritually is they aren't able to move forward and deal with conflict in the Christian life. You've all heard stories of people that just won't go to church because of a conflict they have. They're not in God's army of serving Him because of a conflict. And the bottom line is they did not mature to be able to handle the conflict. And the conflict has paralyzed them. Any conflict can paralyze people. Any conflict can get in the way. Any conflict can ruin someone from being a warrior for God. A conflict with another brother, a conflict with another sister, a conflict with a group, a conflict with a preacher, a conflict with, with anyone at all. It could be a conflict that's, that's clear. It could be a conf, a conflict that's, that's fuzzy, that's foggy. No one really knows anymore what was the originator of the conflict. David is growing spiritually because David practices conflict resolution here. He goes to the person that there's a conflict with and he speaks the truth. That's what Matthew 18 says that we are to do when we have a conflict. We are to go to the person. We're not to send someone else. We're not to go get other people to go and speak to the person that we have conflict with. We're to go to that person and we are to speak the truth as we know it. And that's exactly what David is doing here. And when we do that, it is clear that we're growing spiritually. When we are unable to go forward in truth and deal with a conflict, it's a sign that we're not spiritually growing. And we're not willing to work through the conflict. But oh my, David's got a man that's tried to kill him several times now. And David comes out of the cave, still outnumbered, by the way. They don't have 3,000 elite troops yet to go and fight these Saul's army with. He's still outnumbered. He's in a cave, for gosh sakes. I mean, if they start sending those 3,000 elite troops through that cave entrance, David's going to have a hard time defending himself in there. And yet he's got the faith, he's got the courage to be able to stand out there and say, Saul, look, what you're believing is not true. Look, here's the hem of your robe. He speaks truth to the person that he has a conflict with. Spiritual growth taking place, handling conflict in the right way to the person and with the truth. Next thing we have going on here is 12 through 15. David resisted the temptation to take revenge. May the Lord judge between us, he says in verse 12. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me but I will never harm you. May the Lord judge between us. That's where David's heart is. 
as that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? <laughs> That's David speaking about himself. May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, David says, and he will rescue me from your power. So David understood because of his spiritual growth that it is never ours, it is never the people of God, it is never his children right to take revenge. It's never our right to take revenge. We know that in First Corinthians in, in Romans chapter 12. It is only God's right to avenge, never ours. Takes a while to get there, doesn't it, in the Christian life? Typically, that's not the baby uh, Christian's mindset. That's not the, the toddler's mindset in the Christian life. That's not the young adolescent's mindset in the Christian life. It begins to take hold later on in life. But somewhere along the way, as we grow spiritually, we are to learn that revenge is never ours to take. We have to let it go. We've got to let the revenge go. The thought of revenge, the desire of revenge, the crave of revenge, we've got to let it go. And we've got to have this mindset, which is, let's let God judge who's right or wrong in this situation. I'm just going to trust in God to take care of it because it's his right to revenge if that's what he wants to do. That's maturity. That's spiritual maturity. That's what living in the caves does for us. That's what living in the forest does for us. That's what running for our lives does for us. That's what, what happens when we have problems that we can't handle. That's what God uses to accomplish this kind of mindset in us. So we see four wonderful traits of spiritual maturing. We see David willing to stand up against the crowd, willing to go against what everybody else thinks is right. We see David respecting authority. We see David learning to handle conflict in the right way. And we also see David letting go of revenge and putting revenge all in the Lord's hands. Now, we see something that is truly beautiful. When we do not fight our circumstances and we don't fight God over our problems and we don't blame God and we don't blame others and we don't blame the circumstances that we're going through as why we're miserable, as why we're bent out of shape, as why we're so defeated and why we're so hopelessly misdirected in our lives. And we, we trust God, we believe in God, we move forward, and we let God do what he wants to do in us in the midst of all those troubles and problems. We grow spiritually, 
and we learn that circumstances are not ours to control. They're His. Our life is His, and our circumstances are His. They're His to do with whatever He wants to do with them. And when we grow to that place in the Christian life, there's a good chance for a gospel event to take place. Look in verse 16. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back. Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. Can you imagine that? This madman, this insane king, this king that is so full of revenge and arrogance and pride and murderous thoughts, he cries. He's broken by the event. He's moved by this event. Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am. For you have repaid me good for evil. What a beautiful thing it is when God's people repay good for evil. It's a gospel event. We repay good for evil is when we grow to the point of acknowledging, God, whatever you want to do with my problems, whatever you want to do with my trials, whatever you want to do with my conflicts, whatever you want to do with the unfair treatment, the injustice that I'm experiencing, I'm okay with, I'm good with. I, I long to see whatever you're going to do with my problems. A beautiful thing rises up out of that. And that's what David has done. David has released the revenge, the right that everyone would say he has to get revenge, and he's let it go for God to do whatever God wants to do with his circumstances. And he says, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to take revenge on you. And, and it breaks Saul's heart. We see, we see a breaking in his spirit, in his heart, because of this powerful, powerful gospel event. You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. What else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. Can you believe that Saul saying that? I'm sad to tell you that as our study moves on, we'll see, it didn't last long. But if there's a moment... There was an opportunity that only God could bring, and it was because David turned loose of his junk, of his problems, of his hardships. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king. 
and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home. Then Saul went home. But David and his men went back to their stronghold, went back in their cave. A gospel event. When we let God do what he wants to do in and through us, regardless of what we've gone through. David is growing to the place where he's saying, my problems are not my own. They're God's. And a beautiful thing happened. So, as we grow spiritually and we mature, we place ourselves in a position for a gospel event to happen. Now, we, we don't know much about this conversation. We don't know much about what happens in Saul's life. There, there's, Saul didn't go back to the church or the synagogue or wherever he went to Tabernacle and say, let me tell you something, I've seen the light. I'm a different man. I'm a changed man. But I promise you, there's no way in the world Saul was not haunted by this act of love and grace that he was given in the cave of En Gedi. You may be in the wilderness. You may be in your cave of En Gedi. You may be going through some real hard times. You may be blaming God. You may be blaming others. You may be blaming your situation. You, 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 you just all eat up with your life's situation. David's story here ought to encourage us to sit down and say, Lord, I release all the pain. I release all the hatred. I release all the anger. I release all the unforgiveness in my life. I've been mistreated. I've been betrayed. I've experienced injustice. I've been mad at you, God. God, may you use all that has happened to me to grow me for those beautiful gospel events. I pray, God, you'd work in our lives and help us to see what we need to see, help us to know what we need to know, help us to hear what we need to hear today. For your glory we preach today, for your glory we sing, for your glory we, we share with each other. Help us to grow, to mature in all the caves and all the forests and all the running we have to do. May all the problems we experience be counted as joy so you do in us what you desire to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.